Amen. Praise God, brothers and sisters. We're going to go ahead and jump into the lesson. We're early today. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try not to take too long, just because we we wrapped up a little earlier. I can't promise you anything. You ask the Bible study group; they'll tell you when I say that it's going to be quick. It normally means it's going to be longer. Amen. So um, maybe today will be opposite day. But we've been covering. Um, well, let me ask you this: uh, How many of you can tell me what what our topics have been as of late? Been we've already made it through six six lessons, and. Um, They've all had a certain something to each other's lessons. You can tell me. Commitment, okay. Anybody else? Right. One great creator, what else? One great purpose, what else? One great problem, good. Okay, we're talking about great things, right? That's what the the first six sessions of, of the new guides were. They were talking about great things, you know, some of those being a great problem, which we all we all learn, but but also a great solution and a great commitment. You know, how, you know, depending on what, what you put behind the word one great or this is great um, dictates really what our lives are about. And if we learn to understand them properly, understand what the word and the message is trying to tell us, we know that we have a great mission and a great purpose in our lives uh, and that, that ultimately we serve a great God. And there's no greater God than the God that we serve, the one and only. Amen. I know other people say they have gods, but the truth, the truth of the matter is that they're not gods at all. Because there's only one God, God himself. Amen. And praise God that you and I have met him. Praise God that you and I know who he is. Praise God that you and I have a relationship with him. Amen. And praise God that he calls us his children. Amen. Because as you know, if you have children, hopefully you love your children. If you really love your children, then you can only imagine how much God loves you. Amen. But we're going to be kind of jumping uh, into another, another new uh, uh, session, if you will. Uh, the next six sessions, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, unstoppable, unstoppable things. Amen. Um, and today's session in particular is unstoppable what? Unstoppable what? Unstoppable mission. It's up here. There's cheat notes up here. Okay. Unstoppable mission. We're going to talk about the unstoppable mission that you and I have, uh, uh, but more importantly, the fact that it is unstoppable. You know, when we come to know the Lord, when we come find God in our lives, you know, there's a lot of things that, that perhaps convince us that, that we are breakable. There's a lot of things in this earth that convince us that we are, we're vulnerable. There's a lot of things in this life that tell us that, that we just don't add up or we don't meet the expectations of. You know, the enemy, Satan himself, the devil, you know, uh, first fell because he had a lot of pride in himself. Right? As the angel that God had created, as a cherub that, that God had created, he, he got a little conceited. And his pride went to a certain place. And when his pride took him to this extent that he thought he was just as good looking and just as wonderful and just as powerful as God, God had to put him in his place. And that place was he was cast out to the earth. He was cast out to hell. and He was condemned forever. And because of this thing, we have to think about how, how the enemy thinks or how he, his thought process works is that he used to think he was the greatest and now he realizes that he's not. And I think that that Satan, when he sits down there and he's, he's deciding on what kind of what kind of plans he's going to bring against God's people or God's children, it's to convince them of the same thing that he had to be forced to understand that that we are nothing. And his thought, I believe, is that if I feel this way, so does everybody else have to feel. So the, the the attack that he brings to you and me as people a lot of times is make us believe that, that we're insignificant. We don't have a purpose. So we've already discussed, right, in the last few lessons. 
But God is ultimately always telling us and trying to remind us through the word that we are something and we are something special. We are something special in God's eyes. And the truth is, is that with God and his gift that we're going to talk a little bit about today, we are also unstoppable. We are unstoppable. Nothing should hold us back. Amen? So very quickly, brothers and sisters, um, we have we have a, a, a point or the point, And the point that we have is what? That the Holy Spirit empowers us to what? To spread the gospel. The Holy Spirit empowers us to spread what? The gospel. Who can tell me what the gospel is? The good news. What's the good news, brother? Jesus, salvation. Amen? The, give, me, give me a quick second. Everybody's still here. Praise God. That was a test. What, how did that make you feel, brothers and sisters? Awkward? Why? Because I left. And what were y'all doing? What's that? Someone said it. You were what? You were waiting. How long do you think I was gone? Two minutes. So I was going to the restroom. I probably could have stopped. You see, that's right. See, it, it actually was even less than a minute. It, it, the, the guide asked me to go out and step out for two or three minutes. I stepped out. I think it, the youth class was counting, helping me count. I think it was like 30 seconds, 45 seconds stops. But when you're waiting, time seems to drag on. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. You know, it says there in, in your uh, personal study guide on page uh, 67, there's a question. It says, when has something definitely been worth the wait? You know, we, we're, we're going to read about how Jesus told his disciples that they were to wait before they left Jerusalem. Because there was a great gift that was going to be given to them, and he didn't want them to get impatient. Now, I only spent a few seconds out, outside. 
And the truth is, is I don't know how long most of you would have waited for me to come back. But at some point, we would have all turned into that little place of impatience. I struggle with patience, brothers and sisters. I, I, I can tell you that. And I've gotten a lot better, praise God, by the grace of God only. But I am a, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's do it right now. It's not that hard. Give it to me, I'll do it. Right? And, and, and I struggle with that. But the question here in 67, and so we can all participate, because we have a little extra time, right? It says, when has something definitely been worth the wait? Anybody? We just felt a little bit. We just know right now. How about a doctor's visit? Is, is waiting ever fun at the doctor's visit? Okay, well, give me, give me, give me something that's been worth the wait. What's that? <laughs> the pajita plate, Alisco, uh, is this worth the wait? Okay, good. And we're being honest. Thanksgiving. We don't really wait all that long. We we like at 10.30. I'm serious. Amen. Waiting for your cornea? That was worth the wait. Amen. Wow. And was it always easy, brother? Because you had a necessity. You had a need. And when we have a need for something, eh, okay, let me simplify it, brothers and sisters. When you're hungry, like hungry, your panza's already on. Your panza. Oh, my panza. And it's growling and it's talking to you, right? And you go and you go to the restaurant. You go through the drive-thru. Why do you go through the drive-thru? What's that? Because it's faster. It's supposed to be faster. You place your order. And you get to the window. And nobody comes out. McDonald's, it shouldn't take that long. How hard is it to mark a whole heap of burger? Right? We all start thinking it. How difficult can it be? How hard can it be? Oh my God, I'm so hungry. You know what? Let's just go. No, stay. Because as soon as we drive off, then they're going to come out. No, let's go already. Especially if you have other hungry people in the car with you. And something that, 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 that should be quick turns seems like an eternity because you're a necessity of something. You know, when, when we know we know the word, we studied the word, we know that when Jesus came to his disciples, he started telling his disciples very clearly that there was going to be a time where he was going to have to leave. You know, I'm going to have to be crucified. I'm going to have to leave you here. And because God is all-knowing and all-powerful, he understood that the, the human mind was going was gonna to feel a loss, but more importantly, that, that they were going to have a hard time waiting for his return. So that's what we're going to talk about again a little bit today. So when has something definitely been worth the wait? And, and I think the answer to that is that when it's when you receive something that 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 you love, that you receive something that benefits you. Amen. I mean, I, I got spanked a lot growing up, and and those were definitely never worth the wait. You know, because the thing, the truth is, is that I'd get in trouble at, at church, and my dad would turn and look at me. He's like, when "We get home." Sometimes he'd even do this. Which meant getting three big ones. He wouldn't say much. He would just look at me and say, and I was like, oh. So I would try my best the rest of the service to behave myself. But the process of, wait, of, of behaving myself also meant that I was waiting. Because what do you think I was waiting for? I was waiting for the moment that we'd get in the car, we'd drive home, I'd get, get off the car, i 
go to my bedroom, I change, and I try to go to sleep as fast as I could before my dad would come in. And this is the thing about my dad, is that my dad was kept his promises, both for the good and for me for the bad as well. So if he told me I was getting three, I was getting three. And that waiting was definitely not worth it. But I still had to wait. Now, we wait, brothers and sisters, in, in, in my guide, it has, it has a, somebody holding a pie. I don't know if yours has that or not. Does yours have that? And I argue that pecan pie is the best pie out there. Men, anybody agree with me? Pecan pie is the best. And, you know, when we're cooking or we're baking, brothers and sisters, things take time. You know, if you like to barbecue, barbecue, you don't just put the meat and two seconds later it's ready unless you like it blue or whatever they call it. It takes time. It's a process. Good things are worth the wait. And Jesus wanted to, to tell his disciples, he wanted to make sure that they understood this part of it. Okay, here in your guide on page 68, let's read the, the Bible meets life real quick. It says, we don't like to wait. Chalk it up to impatience. Or maybe it's because we live in a world of instant gratification. But what we want, what we want when we want it. We'll repeat that again. We want what we want when we want it. I want it now. Two minutes waiting behind another customer at the fast food drive-thru is too long. Two minutes is too long. You know, I went to the dentist and uh, he tells me, you know, you should be brushing your teeth for two minutes. That's easy. Two minutes, no problem. I go and brush my teeth. Started counting, and I was like, oh, my God. Everything coming out, barely through a minute. And I'm like, Jesus, two minutes? I think I quit like a minute, 45 seconds. I can't do the last 15 seconds. You know you're supposed to brush your teeth for two minutes. Two minutes doesn't seem like much, much time at all. But when you have to wait through it, it seems like too much. 60 seconds. To heat up food in the microwave. Too long. I want my pizza to be ready in like 15 seconds. 60 seconds, you're just saying. If you're like the girls, you tap on everything in the house. Stop tapping. Because it's too long. 15 seconds waiting for a movie to stream on your TV. If you like Netflix, if you like watching YouTube videos. You know, there was a time back in the day, some of you probably don't. Right? That's other girls, like we had dial-up modems. We had to, just the sound of Most of you don't even know what I'm talking about before it connected. You wanted to download a song, brother, a three-minute song. It was like 45 minutes. Download one song. It took too long. At the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus told his disciples to do something. He told them, wait. He was going to give them and us an incredible gift, the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. The disciples couldn't have fully appreciated what all that meant, but they waited. The key is, is that they waited nonetheless. When the Holy Spirit came, he empowered Jesus' followers for a mission that was unstoppable. Remember that today's topic, today's lesson is unstoppable mission. From that single location, their mission spread across the world and continues today. So Jesus understood, brothers and sisters, within the word that he had to give the disciples, or God, I should say, had to give the disciples something because Jesus himself had to leave. And that's what we're going to be reading. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me or your study guide to Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. 
and then we're going to also read verse 12 through 14. And as always, I, I'm going to try to get through all of it, but I can't promise you anything. Amen? Okay, it reads like this. Does everybody have it? And again, the point is the Holy Spirit inspires us, empowers us to spread the gospel. Let's start in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift. My father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be what? Baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you have, have received the Holy Spirit? Amen? Can anybody tell me what the Holy Spirit feels like? In your words. Because we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? It helps and guides you? To do what, brother? To know more about Him, about His laws? Okay? Anybody else? I, several people raise their hand. He reveals things, okay? And connects you directly with God. Conviction. Amen. Amen. Anybody else before I move on? Revelation. Power. Okay, good. Amen. I mean, if you felt it, you know how to describe it. And the truth is, is that there's a lot of ways to describe it. There's a lot of things that the Holy Spirit does. And at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, it's considered a gift from God. We read right there in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, On one occasion... While he was eating with them, who's he? Jesus was eating with the disciples. He gives them this command or this directive. And he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for what? The gift. The key word there is wait. You know, when our birthday is coming up, when, when Christmas is coming up, unfortunately, you know, uh, the kids tend to get excited and maybe even some adults. Why? Because we know that something special is going to happen and that special thing is going to be someone's going to give me something. The truth of the matter. And especially while we're growing up or we're still young or we're teenagers, we can't wait. How many of you have ever used that term? I can't wait for Christmas this year. I can't wait for my raise at work. But the truth of the matter is that even though you say you can't wait, you have to wait. Because you can't speed up your birthday, can you? And I can't speed up when the day Christmas comes. So regardless, I have to wait. Jesus wanted to make something very clear to his disciples. He wanted them to wait for the gift of the Father, which you have heard me speak about. And then he tells them what this gift is, even better. He says, for John, baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now there's a connection and they're, and they're comparing, Jesus is comparing the two things. He's comparing being baptized in water, which means what? When you're baptized in water and done the, the proper way, you are submerged in water. That means that every ounce of your body, every every square inch of your body is, is touched 
with the water. Likewise, brothers and sisters, if he's making that comparison, he's saying, John baptized with water, but you will soon be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That means that when we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are completely immersed in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is all these things that we describe. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit empowers us, gives us the power to spread the good news, to spread the gospel, to feel Jesus, to feel God in our lives every single day. And if we are baptized in water, nobody comes out of the water dry. You come out drenched. You come out soaked in the water. For the ladies that have long hair, not me, I don't have to worry about it. Your hair is, is, is damp and wet for a long time. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, it consumes you for a long time. This is not something you just dry off. This is not something you could just give away or put back in its place and say, no, thank you. When you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it motivates you and it moves you. See, brothers, sometimes, unfortunately, we think that as we walk out of these four walls, let's say we come and we, we, we praise God and we raise our hands and we speak in tongues and we say we, we, we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we think that it's just a, a process that happens right here and there. And that the moment we finish, the moment your, your tears dry up, the moment you clean your nose off, no more Holy Spirit. But Scripture teaches us, brothers and sisters, that we must live in the Holy Spirit all the time. The disciples were asked, or more so told, not to leave Jerusalem. And what was the reason? The reason was is that the, the, Jesus had been crucified. Jesus had been put up on that cross, and the, the disciples were being persecuted. They were afraid of, for their lives. And their first thought was, let's go, let's get out of here. Let's, let's run. Let's, let's, let's go here, there, there, and here, and let's just you know, not be seen. But Jesus tells him, wait patiently. Do not leave Jerusalem for my Father, or God himself, is going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now there's there in your, in, on page 69 in your study guide, there's a final paragraph that I'd like to read. It says, in Acts 1, 4-5, Jesus reminded his followers they would soon receive the gift he had promised earlier, the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, or the day of Pentecost, that we all understand it and know it as, the Spirit would descend on believers to empower them to preach the gospel. From that moment forward, God's people would be forever changed in how they related to him. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we have this misunderstanding of what the day of Pentecost was for. We believe that it's all about speaking in tongues. We believe that it's just about Mumbling and jumbling. And everybody gets all crazy with all due respect to what happens. And, 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 and there's just total chaos. And then everybody cries. People fall in the Holy Spirit. And then that's, that's what that was meant. But the fact of the matter is that the Holy Spirit was given to us for a purpose. See, God doesn't do anything without a purpose. You know, if you've been blessed, God has a purpose for the blessings that he's given. If God has blessed you with the big house, it's not because he wants you to be alone in your big house. It's because he expects you to open the doors when the time comes for you to open the doors. It means that if you have extra bedrooms in that big house, you're supposed to open those doors for people in necessity when they are in necessity. 
If the Lord bless you with a large car, He didn't bless you with a large car just because He blessed you with a large car so that when the brother and sister that need a ride to get somewhere, you can give them a ride and get somewhere. Everything that the Lord gives us is for the honor and glory of His name. We, a lot of times, brothers and sisters, remove that, that honor and that glory from what He's given us. And that's why sometimes the Lord takes it back. Amen? Likewise, the Holy Spirit isn't meant just so that I can feel better. The Holy Spirit has a purpose, and that purpose is to inspire me and empower me to move the gospel along. Everything that I started with earlier, all the negative thoughts, all the negative ideas, all the things that make us feel unworthy, you know, all the things that make us feel sad in life, all the things that make us feel depressed, the Holy Spirit comes and kicks those out of our lives. And the Holy Spirit tells us you're worth something. The Holy Spirit says you're valuable. The Holy Spirit says you can do it. The Holy Spirit says I'm with you. You see, we talk about faith a lot, and faith is a very important thing. But you know how I know that God is real? Because His Holy Spirit reveals to me that He's real. Because the Holy Spirit makes God, makes Jesus tangible. The Holy Spirit allows me to feel Jesus in my life. The Holy Spirit makes me be able to close my eyes when I'm praising and worshiping and feel like God is right in front of me. You know, we've been singing the new song. There's no, there's no better or higher place than to be at the feet of Jesus. And when you see that, sing that song, brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I literally feel like I'm at the feet of Jesus. Now, there's people out there, there's religions, I'm just going to say it, there's religions out there that don't believe in the Holy Spirit. But the fact of the matter is that Scripture, if you take Scripture as a whole and you don't take anything out, tells us, we just read it, that the gift from God was going to be the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, serves a critical role in your ability and my ability to spread the message. I don't know if you've ever been to a church or you've heard someone on TV preach the Word of God. And this is not me condemning or, or talking bad about any ministers, but the truth of the matter is that I've, I've heard people preach, and I just don't. And then I've heard people preach, I was like, man, that, that brother, that sister is filled by the Holy Spirit. Right? For lack of a better, holy cow, man. Holy moly. Holy moly, man. He's, he's on it. He's on it. She's on it. Or you've, have you heard... Again, no offense to anybody. Someone comes and they sing. And it's like, whoa. Why? The Holy Spirit has given them the power and the courage to do what they're doing and to do it for the honor and glory of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Those with the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, can be changed forever. You know, I often ask myself, you know, because I meet people and I hear testimonies. I hear. You know, my uncle's testimony, I hear my dad's testimony, some of the brothers' testimonies here that they say, when I, you know, when I first came, Brother Ray, when I first came to the, know the Lord, when I first accepted God, my, my life changed, right? Like there was, it wasn't a little bit. It was like a transformation, the way Scripture teaches it. And sometimes I ask myself, I'm just being honest, I ask myself, man, Lord, why does it seem like, like that doesn't happen anymore? Why does it seem like people struggle even after they live their, give their, their life to Jesus, you know, accept Jesus? Why is it that there's no change in their life? Why is it that they're still asking uh, such, such minute, unimportant questions? Like they get hung up on, 
on the little stuff where all I've known and the people that I've met, you know, that have truly transformed and been doing this 30 plus years or however long, it was a, a complete transformation. And his answer is the Holy Spirit. You and I cannot change brothers and sisters without the Holy Spirit. Understand something very clear. The disciples walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, worked with Jesus, moved with Jesus. And yet something more amazing happened when the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to them. Because now they were empowered by the presence and the Spirit of God himself within. You see, they were with Jesus, but they couldn't put Jesus inside of themselves. Jesus had to conquer the grave. And by conquering the grave, he ascended into heaven in the spirit form, and now the spirit could be given. We understand that in the Old Testament, it speaks about the Holy Spirit a couple of times. But the truth of the matter is that then, at that moment, the Holy Spirit was only given to certain individuals. And those certain individuals were given a specific task in, in which to use the Holy Spirit. Now, because Jesus had, had died, resurrected, the Holy Spirit was given as a gift. But he asked them to wait, brothers and sisters. And that's, that's something really important. It's important for you and I to understand that it requires patience. Now, I don't know if in your guide it has it, but I was reading a little bit. Um, kind of gave me some side notes even before I got to this, this lesson. And it really, it, it touched me. I mean, it was pretty amazing, the topic. And it, it, it says, it's why consistency beats excitement. And it talked a little bit about, and if you have a, the leader's guide, it's, it's really neat to read that. Why consistency beats excitement. And it talked about how when we first come to know the Lord, we're excited. But it talked about how being consistent is always better than being excited. And and and, and real simple, and again, it's not, it may not be in your guide, but something that it, it used as an example was a dripping faucet. You know, the dripping faucet just drips. Drip. Drip. Sounds like a rap song, right? Drip. Drip. And you hear it and you're like, oh. But it's consistent. You can go hit the knobs, and when it's leaking, it's leaking. And we don't think much of it except for the fact that it's annoying and it's boring and it's getting to me. It's like tapping. Right? But the truth of the matter is if you look at things in the grand scheme, you realize that the Grand Canyon was carved out by water flowing slowly. Large rocks, large formations that you see, stalactites and the stalagmites, years of drips to create those massive structures. And what the, 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 the commentator was basically trying to explain is that we should be Christians who are consistent. Sometimes it feels like a drip. It's boring. It gets old, and it's like, ah, oh, this again. But by being consistent, brothers and sisters, we actually do something. When we're excited, not much gets done. And if it gets done, it gets done at the moment. Instead of over time. Jesus understood. God understood these things for us. So he gave us the Holy Spirit so that with the Holy Spirit, over time, our lives could change for the better. But more importantly, over time, we get that courage to speak the good news, the gospel of Christ. How many of you here, and I want you to be honest, get a little nervous when you have to talk about God? 
Be honest. Okay. Amen. Being honest. Right? Because amongst here, it's easy to say, praise God. How many of you have ever said praise God at work? Good. Amen. Some of us struggle with that. Some of us, some people come to us in, in necessity, and it's difficult for us to say, I'm going to be praying. Because we're, we're like, I'm not sure if they believe in God. I don't want to offend them. Some of us do that, right? See, but when, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God gives you that power. God knew, Jesus knew more importantly that the disciples were going to face some persecution. Now remember, we're reading in Acts, right? What is an act? Something you do. It's a movement. Act comes from the word action or vice versa. Action. I can't say I'm acting. I'm just sitting here. I'm standing here. I have to move. So therefore, you know, the book of Acts tells us that what? That they were being, Jesus was giving them all the things they were going to need to be prepared to move. I've said it before. I don't know if you remember, but the church should be a church in motion. A Christian, a true Christian is a Christian that's in motion. They're never still. The church is never still. The church is always moving. I'm talking about a body, the body of Christ. We should be involved. We should be active. At work, at home, with your family, without your family, with your friends, with your neighbors, in action. I'm not saying, I'm not saying be one of those Bible thumpers, go around hitting everybody over the head with the Bible. But what I'm saying is, is that when, when the time permits and when it's appropriate, you're not afraid. You just you hit it. How many of you here like football? Most of the men, right? Like football. A good running back. Let's use Elliot, right? Cowboys, new running back. See, I don't bore the women. But they brought him on. He was supposed to be this beast of a running back. First couple of games, it horrible. Horrible. You, if you do some research, everybody said the same thing. He just he's going a little too fast for his own good. He needs to wait and let the the, the, the guards open up the hole for him. They need a, they need a block, right? The block the blockers need a block, and he has to wait. Just just it's microsecond, but just wait so that there's an opening so that he can hit the hole, the gap. And then once once he's through, he's gone. Well, he's the highest rushing. He has the most rushing yards of any any. Uh, running backs this year so he's had over 100 yard games which is a big deal in football because he's learned to take a step back and wait for his moment to hit the hole likewise brothers and sisters waiting is an important thing you know if we're excited it's good to be excited but we have to take it back a bit breathe read the, the bible read scripture do some study and understand it comprehend it Allow God to reveal it to you, and then you go. The Holy Spirit enables us and gives us the power to do so. But I go back to with what I started, and I'm not, I'm not sure why God keeps taking me back there. But the mindset of you and I, brothers, has to be a mindset of success. We have to have a mindset of value. We have to have a mindset that we matter. And that's why I like so much the first six sessions that, you know, that we hit. You know, that we are, we have a great purpose. And that we have to have a great commitment. We are not alone in all this, brothers and sisters. This is what I'm trying to get at. We are not alone when it comes to our lives here on this earth. It may seem that way sometimes. 
you may have felt alone before. And that's what I tell believers all the time. When they come, sometimes they come and say, ah, I just feel so alone. If something is wrong in your life. Because you can feel alone before you knew Jesus. You could feel alone before you had the Holy Spirit. But you shouldn't feel alone ever. Ever. Now that you know God. And now that you have Jesus in your heart. And I'm... And I'm Understand this. I've been there. Everybody could leave you. You could be sitting at your house by yourself. You're still not alone. The Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, gives us that sense of what? That we're worth something. That we're worthwhile. Now, very quickly, question number two right there on on, uh, page 69. What do you find difficult about waiting on the Lord? Because we talked about why it's hard waiting for the food to be ready. At, at, at McDonald's, we know why it's hard waiting in line when you want that new phone or when you you know something new is coming out. But what do you find difficult about waiting on the Lord, Brother Ben? Amen. 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 Good. Anybody else? Everybody here, Brother Ben. So at a restaurant, sometimes, even though it's taking long, you see them working. With the Lord, you have to, by faith, know that he's, he's doing something. You're still waiting, but you have to have the faith to know that he's working. Anybody else? Thank you, brother. Amen. And that's hard, brothers. Brother, brother Dumber. Amen. Because our desires, our desires are great, right? How many of you here have really low, low desires? No, we all have great desires. You know, let's say praying for someone else's salvation, especially if they're family. That, that, that's probably way up there on your list. You know, for the things that we think we need in life, it's probably really, really high on your list. But, but understand, brothers and sisters, being impatient isn't going to send you to hell. Okay? I want, I want to make this clear. Being impatient doesn't send us to hell. But, but there's no blessing in being impatient. And as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll go this far. You steal your own blessing. You steal your blessing by not waiting. Because, for example, if someone's giving away something free and they tell you, please stand in line, some people cut. What happens to that person? All the way to the back. And then they run out of what they were giving away. Just because we couldn't be patient. In God, brothers and sisters, waiting upon the Lord is an important aspect of our Christian life. It, it, it allows us to grow and mature um, uh, spiritually. When you learn to say, Lord, I'm going to put this before you, and when I say the words, thy will be done, I really mean, thy will be done. I think sometimes we pray that because it's part of the prayer that he asks us to pray, right? But we don't really mean it. Not thy will be done, my will be done. Hurry up, God. And that's the truth. He needs us and wants us to understand that it's important to wait. He told his disciples, wait 
in Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem because you are about to be baptized with the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's move very quickly on to uh, verses 6 and 8. There's no way I'm going to get anywhere close to being done. Okay, 6 and 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and 8. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. What what will we receive? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now he uses a word, you will receive power. What is power? Authority, strength, ability. When someone is more powerful than you, that means you are weaker than them. In this case, the Holy Spirit gives us power. Brothers and sisters, I keep nagging on this. The Lord knows why. We should never be individuals who are depressed and sad and feel less to those around us. Ever. Because the Holy Spirit gives us power. Think about what these light bulbs do when you give them power. What do they do? They shine. The sun, brothers and sisters, the sun itself, I don't know how many kilowatts, megawatts of power the sun by itself has. That it's thousands of miles away and it can still light up our day. From way out there. Not only light up the day, but if you, if it's too, it could burn you. How many of you have ever been sunburned? So much power coming from the sun. So much power. It's not, it's not just lighting you up. It can burn you. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit gives us that kind of power. The power to lay hands on the sick and heal them. That's not reserved for Jesus only. He gave us the Holy Spirit and he gave us the authority to pray on the sick. He gave you the authority, brothers and sisters, to cast out demons. He gave you the authority to rebuke the the enemy's lies and tell him, get out of my head, Satan. And guess what Satan has to do? What does he have to do? The Bible says, resist the devil. Resist the devil. Okay. So if you've ever resisted the devil and he stays with you, what are you doing wrong? No Holy Spirit. No reception of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why? Because we wait to be in the Holy Spirit in those moments of necessity. We wait to live the godly life as if the Holy Spirit lives in me when I come to church. Instead of having the Holy Spirit in me forever. Again, the Bible says it's a gift. And when you really like your gift, what do you do with it? You use it. And they give me a cologne that I really like. And then it's like, oh, I didn't put any on my hands. You wear it. But not only do you wear it, you wear it out. You got a new shirt that you love, put that thing on. 
new pants, new shoes. You got a new a new saw for those of us, right, brother? Ooh, you're cutting everything. Things that don't need to be cut, you're cutting. You can cut that. Your, your, your child comes in. Do you have scissors? No, no, no. Let me bring the saw. Because man, because man, they got me this man, this new saw. I bought a new blower the other day. I was all excited. I bought a new gas blower. It's nice. I think it's nice. And I went. Normally, I would go with my electric, but it just blows in the driveway. What do you think I did with this one? Blowing the neighbor's driveway off. I was blowing everywhere. Neighbor's driveway down the street. I was like excited about my new toy, and then I told Daisy the day to check it out. Oh, okay. But then my dad went. I, I I had to show my dad. Hey, dad, come here. I felt blessed with this, right? I would go to the whole world. I say, hey, dad, check this out. Like, That's not nice. And then I got my like, ah, oh, because <laughs> the girls didn't care and the wife didn't care. But when you get something, brothers and sisters, that really excites you, you have it with you all the time. The Holy Spirit was a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. So we wear that on our sleeve literally. We say, man, I'm saved by the grace of God. I have the Holy Spirit and he inspires me. He motivates me to move. He motivates me to speak the gospel of the word. You know, he motivates me to speak the story of Jesus Christ. He motivates me to tell you that Jesus loves you. And Jesus wants to change you. Jesus wants to rearrange you. And that he can consume you with his Holy Spirit. And he can give you these feelings and these emotions of strength and of power. Instead of these emotions of, oh, that is good. Except for yesterday. And all the time, oh, yes, God is good except this morning. No inspiration, no happiness, no joy, no, hey, God is good. I couldn't be better. Or even, I could be worse. And we hear the testimonies, brothers, and sometimes that's the only time that helps click, right? Your brother Ruben comes and testifies, and it's like, none of us were thinking about our eyesight. None of us took for granted the fact that we, we can see well. Until we hear a testimony. I praise God for the testimony, but it shouldn't, we shouldn't wait for that. That's what he was trying to say. Don't wait for those moments of anguish, of pain, to glorify and honor Christ. Do it all the time and wait patiently in the Lord. Ten months. So what? Ten months. Worth the wait, brother? Worth the wait. So I'm praying for the salvation of a family member. When that person's saved, worth the wait, right, brother? I tell people all the time, look, it doesn't matter if that person finds God on their deathbed. If they found God on their deathbed, praise God. Worth the wait. Worth the wait. Receiving the Holy Spirit was worth the wait. The day of Pentecost, they, they showed up and God did something amazing, gave them the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. They moved in ways they couldn't move. And boom, empowered. They definitely did not leave the way they had gone in. All the knowledge of Jesus, all the, the knowledge of the law of Moses, all those things were great. But without the Holy Spirit, they would have been held back. 
They would have been sitting on the bench. But when God says, hey, your time is up, here's the Holy Spirit. Boom. And he tells them there at the end of verse 8, he says, you will be my witnesses. In other words, you will testify of who I am. You will tell the truth of what happened when I was here on earth in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They didn't have planes, brothers and sisters. They didn't have cars. They didn't have ships that could cross these big seas. But yet Jesus told them something specifically. You will be my witnesses to the ends of this earth. What you and I now have have and are able to do because we have transportation, they did with no transportation. And we preach the gospel. Listen to what I just said. We preach the gospel way over here in Pearsall, Texas. So far from Judea, so far from Samaria, and somehow the word of God came to you and me. That's through the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the lives of these disciples. You and I are disciples, brothers and sisters. You and I are the called. We are the chosen. But if you can't, if your child doesn't even know who God is or the story of Jesus, if you can't even have enough power to sit them down, whether they're young or whether they're already older and you think, I already ruined it, I already messed up too much, I can't talk to them because they're going to call me a hypocrite. If you can't do that, it's because you lack the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit empowers, strengthens, and gives us that ability, brothers and sisters, to move the Word of God. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to be individuals who ask Jesus, look, I know and I, I hope you don't get tired. I know we come and we praise and worship. It's not about us because I know I don't sing the best. I've had heard so many people that sing so awesome and amazing. that I say, God, I wish I could sing like them. But then God says, if you sang that well, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. So do what you're doing. And sing okay, I guess. Keeps me humble. See how God has a plan for everything. The gift that he gave me, maybe you could say, okay, he gave me a little gift. I can sing a little bit. But the greater gift he gave me is to preach the gospel. Okay, so I preach the gospel, Lord. I move because the Lord tells me to move. So we don't do this, brothers and sisters, for us. It's not a concert. You don't pay. You don't put donations unless Brother Ray or Sister Gloria has been keeping them. I've never actually asked them if anyone donated anything to Ah, one of the two, right? We don't do that. Do you know why we do this? Because we're trying to praise and worship God. And what we want, brothers and sisters, is not for you to come up here. Again, we don't get paid extra when you pass to the altar. We don't make an extra dime because you made it up here. What we're trying to say is ask the Holy Spirit to come into you. Receive the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. Why? Because we know it's going to transform your life. The Holy Spirit has transforming power. It's a combination of all three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not just one. That's the problem, brothers and sisters. That's why we preach what we preach. Because the Bible teaches us it's not just about believing there's a God. It's not just about believing there's Jesus. You have to take all three. And then when you take all three, they make the change in your life. When you take all three, the transformation begins. And you get that courage and that power to live a godly life and not to be ashamed 
But more importantly, I know you're not ashamed, but not to be afraid. The world is changing. We know that. Some of you more than better than I, because I'm not that that old. You know how the world has changed, and it's getting to a place, brothers and sisters, prepare yourselves for that persecution. Thank God right now we still don't have to worry about it. But the persecution of the church is coming. It's already there. There's already laws. They're just they're, they're too far and few in between. There's too many people that oppose them at a higher political you know, standard and, and position that they still can't completely enforce them. But it's there, trust me. And there will come a time, brothers and sisters, even we'll catch a glimpse of it, of when we're, it's gonna, you think it's hard now to call yourself a Christian and say you're saved? Wait for it. Prepare yourself. Without the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that when he comes for us, he also takes the Holy Spirit with him. Hence the reason that some will stay and the opportunity to repent may still exist, but it will be that much more difficult because you won't be able to feel Jesus. You won't be able to feel God because the Holy Spirit. So let's not wait till then, brothers and sisters. Instead, let's receive the Holy Spirit. Let's let him do his work in us and empower us and give us that courage to move forward and to spread the gospel. Amen? So with that, the point, the Holy Spirit empowers us to spread the gospel. If we're not spreading the gospel, we don't have the Holy Spirit. That's the intention of the Holy Spirit. And then, and then the, 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 main, the main point here is that there's an unstoppable gospel. That even if you choose not to spread it, someone else is going to spread it. Even if you and I choose to stay home, you have people like Pastor B and Pastor Fred, they're out there doing their thing. You have people from here that are out every day. Testify. The gospel is unstoppable. You're either a part of it or you're not. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to be part of that, that movement of the gospel. Over 2,000 years and it's still doing its thing. And it doesn't quit and it doesn't stop. And it penetrates not just the shepherd's flock. It penetrates churches everywhere. All religions. All races. All creed. The gospel reaches and penetrates. Amen? Amen, brothers. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask someone to call the classes. They're going to freak out because it's early. They're going to be in shock. If that clock's right, I finished 15 minutes ahead.